0: When you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, your primary identity is not your boss or whoever else, but your primary identity is that the Lord, Jesus Christ, bought you and me with His precious blood on the cross of Calvary. Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verse 3 and 4, and if you find yourself on that passage, let me invite you to please stand, and we will read these two verses together. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 begin. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. Amen. Let's, uh, uh, you can take your seats. Now before we pray, I want to share two paragraphs that... Um, that I read and uh, would give us an idea of how important identity is in our day-to-day living. And it says identity drives motivation, motivation drives action, and action drives results. For example, if someone speeds past me at 120 kilometers per hour, on the King George Highway, odds are I won't uh, chase them down and issue a ticket, right? Um, I don't have that identity that says I am a police officer. So I'm not uh, motivated to act on that person's um, actions. However, a police officer, on the other hand, does have that identity, And therefore, has the motivation to act, like chasing down the speeder, and get results, like issuing a ticket. Every action we take in life has the sense of identity behind it. And how we see ourselves matters. And another one um, that I read, it says, identity is what makes us who we are. The kind of people we are is what we love. More specifically, our identity is shaped by what we ultimately love or what we love as ultimate. What, at the end of the day, gives us a sense of meaning, purpose, understanding, and orientation to be our being in the world. Now, with that in mind that the question now in this uh, is this do you really know who you are in Christ if I ask you that question can you really answer that yes you may know you may know that you're a Christian but what does it really mean to you as a Christian Does being a Christian motivate you to do something for God, right? It's a good question that maybe we can ask for ourselves. And I believe these questions are so important to answer uh, because often the word Christian has no meaning and becomes a cliche in life. Like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yeah, what does it really mean to you? And these questions need to be answered for us to be able to live the Christian life that God wants us to live. And that's really important, and especially for tonight, we are dealing with the passage in chapter one that talks about our identity in Christ. But before we continue, let's begin, Let's open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. I, I ask that you would... Grant us wisdom because we acknowledge that you are the source of wisdom and understanding. And I do pray that you would speak into our hearts tonight as we ponder upon the chapter one of the book of Ephesians. Lord, may you speak into our hearts and help us, Lord, as we go out in this building, we will be changed and we make decisions in life and not just for tonight, but to... We're looking forward to live a Christian every day in our lives. And so, Father, fill us with your Spirit and increase our faith as we learn from every truth that we, in, in, your, in your Word. And so, Father, be with us now, we pray in your name. Amen. Now, if you look with me in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul reminded us that we actually have... And serve a good God. Now, look there in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, that's a really good um, scripture to read. And God has blessed us. And if we try to look in our lives, God has Blessed us with material things, yes? Yes? Yeah, you would agree with me. God has blessed us with material things. But these things don't define us as Christians. That's why I like how the Apostle Paul put an adjective in the word, in the word uh, blessings. He, he said they're spiritual blessings because that should remind us that God gave us blessings... Now, let me remind you that God gave us blessings that no person, no circumstances, no diseases, n- even death could take it away from us. That's how important and that uh, we should remind ourselves with the spiritual blessings that God has gave us. Here in our passage, Paul used three portraits of God's grace, and really it's, it's like a picture, if you read these passages, it's, it's a picture, some like a photographs to remind the Christians in Ephesus during that time about their identity in Christ. Now, the first portrait that uh, we're going to learn is the portrait of adoption, and we can find that in verse 5. If you look with me in v- chapter 1, verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of, the ch- of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Now, the word adoption is the condition of being carefully chosen. The condition of being carefully chosen. It was God's good pleasure, according to that verse, of His will to adopt us into His family. Now, isn't that amazing? Think about that for a moment. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you you understand that you don't earn God's love. We don't earn God's love. And the Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. And God loves you because of who you are and who you will be in the future. It's God's great joy to give you power to be sons and daughters. And let's no mistake of you know, blaming God on things that we do in our lives because He loves us. It is His great joy to give us the power to become His sons and daughters. John 1, 12, it says, but as many as receive Him, to them give He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. That's a powerful verse. Now, to further emphasize the portrait of adoption, uh, we must understand the culture back then. So we'll, we will travel more than 2,000 years. And uh, how, let's see how the Apostle Paul actually wrote this letter and the people understand how this portrait of adoption really looked like. Now, in Roman culture, when a baby was born and sat at the fa- father's feet, the father either picked up the baby and thereby claiming it. Or he turned around and walked away, rejecting the baby. Maybe he wanted a boy and had a girl. Or he wanted a girl and had a, and had a boy. And maybe there's the effect or birthmark that displeased him. The child would be exposed to the elements for the gods to decide, his faith. Usually, what they will do, a baby would be taken to the agora, the marketplace, and abandoned there. <clears throat> and sometimes, someone would come along and take the child in. Not as their child, but to raise as a slave or a prostitute. And Paul was writing in this type of culture. And so when Paul used this picture to illustrate their relationship with God, they understood it. And I don't know if there were, be- there were believers in Ephesian church who experienced the same tragic faith. I'm not sure also if there were believers who were unwanted by their parents and were abandoned. But I know for sure that God picked them up and gave them the new identity in him Now if you come to know if you come to know Jesus Christ as your savior remember this that uh, remember this that your most defining moment isn't who abandoned you or who rejected you but who took you in That's very important to recognize your defining moment isn't who abandoned you or rejected you, but who took you in. Now, how many of, you, how many of us uh, experience being unwanted? Right? Don't uh, raise your hands. Uh, maybe at work, you know, maybe at work, maybe uh, uh, at school. You know, if people rejected you, you don't be discouraged, right? Don't need to be discouraged. And let me remind you that you are chosen according to that verse that we have read. You are chosen. You are adopted. You belong to God's family. You belong to God's family. Now, this is also very, very true to young people. Because I've seen young people who are very broken because there's a lot of people that don't accept them. But young people, when you go to school and your classmates won't accept you, Don't be discouraged, because in Christ, you are accepted, and that's far more important and with great value rather than copying their lifestyle for you to be accepted, and that's a mistake, you know, you don't need to be be accepted into this world and with your peers, maybe at school, to be accepted. You don't need to change your lifestyle and and the way you look in order to be accepted because in Christ, you are accepted. You don't have to be like them and remember that you belong to God already. And so we, so first we have the portrait Of adoption. And second. We have the portrait of redemption. And look with me in verse 7. Of chapter 1. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood. For forgiveness of sins. According to the riches. Of his grace. Now the term redemption. Is a trade word. It's a trade word. And now in. In the time of the Apostle Paul, especially the city of Ephesus, had one of the great largest slave markets in the Roman world, and you can look at that. In the marketplace, you could buy goods, and you could buy people and make them as slaves. Ephesus was the center of slave trade in the Roman world, and uh, if, you re- if you search this, it's almost half or even half of the Roman Empire, you know, in the population of the Roman Empire is- are actually slaves, and that's how big slavery during that time. And slaves were often rescued from the dump, sometimes as an infant and sometimes as adults, and family, a family may buy an infant, raise him, and then sell him with when they thought he would be a prophet. And when they were purchased, in effect, they were to be redeemed. And someone purchased them for money. And they were bought for a price. And actually, that's the same picture that we have. In the, the book of Romans would give us the idea there that in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Also in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, for as much as ye you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So I hope as Christians, we realize that God did not redeem us with money. It's more than money. And even the passage would tell us that it's more than silver or gold, and the Bible says says that we have redemption through His blood the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the debt we owe in the cross of Calvary, and that's grace. That's God's grace for you and for me. I hope you realize that as Christians, right? You became a Christian not because you did good or enough good so that, you know, God will finally love you and accepted you and adopt you into His family. That's not what happened to you. God bought you. He redeemed you through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, since we are blood-bought, redeemed people of God through Christ, God placed a seal on us. God placed a seal on us. And this leads us to our third portrait. And Pastor White uh, talked about this uh, a little bit uh, this morning. And the third is the portrait of sealing. So we have the portrait of adoption, we have the portrait of redemption, and now we have the portrait of sealing. and we have there in verses 13 and 14. In verse 13 it says, "In whom ye also trusted, after that ye, ye heard the word of God of, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that, ye believed; ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption and the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. I like that passage; it talks to us who owns us. Now, when you look at the slaves back then. Um, I'm not sure if they still uh, uh, do that. And I know in, in Africa, there's still uh, people that were, you know, um, used as a slave. But uh, back then, you'll notice that they had old tattoos or an ear piercing here. And these tattoos and uh, piercings are the seals of their owner's family. You will know who owned them. And the seal is a mark of ownership. And that seal or signet ring marked ownership. The people started branding their animals with hot irons. A brand is also a seal, a mark of ownership. Now, the Apostle Paul, even in, here in, in, in the, the book of Ephesians, he also mentioned it in 2 Corinthians 1. 1 Verse 22, and you can turn with me there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. And the word of God says, Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Well, on that passage, and even the passage that we have, we have in the book of Ephesians, notice the word earnest. Earnest. It is a business word which means a pledge or a deposit. It is a pledge as a show of good faith that a buyer will make a full payment later. Now, in modern Greek, it means an engagement ring. And men, someday you will do this as well. But of course, it is an engagement ring to a woman as a promise that one day the husband will come and marry her. And so earnest is a partial payment or a down payment. As a promise that full payment will later be made. Now in verse 14, we have that passage. It says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption and of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory. Believers are given an assurance that someday we will receive the full inheritance of God in heaven. But most importantly, this gives us an assurance that Jesus Christ will come back for his the saved ones. He will come back for his saints, for us. And that's a big amen there. And Paul was writing to a culture where people were bought and sold, and he wanted them to know that their primary identity is not their own, owned, that they're owned by their earthly master. Their primary identity was uh, that their Lord jesus bought them and it's the same with you and me today when when you trusted christ as your lord and savior your primary identity is not your boss or whoever else but your primary identity is that the lord jesus christ bought you and me with his precious blood on the cross of calvary you're his you're His. And if your boss isn't worthy of your hard work, your Lord is. Wake up in the morning and provide excellent goods and services for people with all your heart, not because your boss deserves it, but because the Lord deserves it. Now you see, knowing whose you are will actually changes your behavior at work, at school, wherever you go, it changes your behavior. Now let's connect this in our lives. You see, these three portraits, the portrait of adoption, redemption, and sealing, reminds us, remind us of the grace of God. That's why we entitled this sermon The Portraits of God's Grace. Now being in the f- family of God, Redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit are spiritual blessings. Verse 3, we read that. Spiritual blessings we don't deserve. We don't earn these thing, this things. But God, in His goodness and good pleasure, chose to save us through Jesus Christ. Now, God gave us new identity in Christ. And if you're here tonight and to know, and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord and Savior, you were redeemed and you belong to Him. The world is trying to mold us into a, an identity that does not define a Christian way. Worst of, worst of all, the world will teach you that having a dual identity it's say dual citizenship, is okay. Like, for example, you know, leave uh, Monday to Friday or Saturday, li- live your life as the world, and Sunday, be holy as you can be, as Christian, you can do that. No, but it isn't. It will not glorify our God, because God already owns you. He belongs to you. Now, too often we see people who become what they do. They can't separate themselves from their profession, careers, and dreams. And thus, these became their identity in life. Right? You can see that often in the news. However, what you've become or attained in this life, this life, cannot be compared with the identity that you have in Christ. You are not just a Christian, right? You are the child of God. And why is it important to know our identity in Christ? Because it deepens our understanding on our relationship with Christ. It actually moves us, it motiv- uh, motivates us into a closer relationship with Him because we know that we are the children of God. It will intensify the value of the word Christian. It's not just a cliche. And you are not just a Christian in our lives. And it will change our perspective the way we serve God. Because we serve God, not we serve others not because they deserve it. Because God pleased as we serve others. And Him as well. God saved us, purchased us, so we must find our identity in Him, not on, not in the things that we have, or people we joined with, or the dreams we attained. Now I tell you that's a mistake of many people in this world. Just look at many examples examples of businessmen, or athletes, celebrities, or so-called successful people who who tied their identity. On the things in this world. And then. When God stripped it away from them. What happened? They lose their identity. And therefore. They would commit suicide. It didn't just disappoint them. It really devastated them. It, it Something like. God took away. Everything in their lives. And that's why they say. Why, why you did this to me God. Because they've. They've had their identity on the things in this world but rather than looking to God and knowing that we belong to Him. You see, that, you see why is it important? That's why you hear a lot of uh, suicide incidents of many people in the areas of business, showbiz, and sports. I would like to close this. So when we search our hearts which identity you belong young people husband, wife which identity you belong if you're saved you can't have if you're not saved you can't have these spiritual blessings and you need to be saved right now now the Bible says that Jesus died to pay the penalty of your sins he was buried and rose again on the third day and He's calling you now. And accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Now if you're a Christian, remember that you are not your, not your own. That's very clear in the, in, in the Scripture. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God, with, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And we have to glorify God And someone said, your identity will be tied up to whatever you give your heart. Something or someone will be the first place in your heart. Your identity in Christ tells you that you belong to Him and that He should be the first place. Is that correct? He should be the first place. So the final question for us tonight, who or what we have allowed in our hearts to be the first place in our lives? Let's bow. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.